Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. This week, it's going to be called the Smart Plumbing Marketing Podcast because we have got a very awesome guest joining us, uh, Mr. Bo McKenzie from Full Speed Plumbing. Uh, really, really excited to to dive in and, and hear Bo's story and talk about some of the stuff that he's doing to grow his business, uh, opening up multiple locations and a very innovative approach to um, how he's branching out uh, throughout his service area to reach more homeowners. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Bo, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Super excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm going to try my best to stay focused here to focus on business and marketing uh, because I've learned that Bo is very uh, into outdoors things and hunting <laughs> and, and fishing and all this stuff that I'm very, very much so uh, passionate about as well. So if and don't we, get me distracted on that either. <laughs> if if this podcast turns into kind of outdoors talk radio, yeah. then then hopefully we've reached the right target audience, and you all stick around for more. Uh, so, Bo, super excited to have you on on the podcast this week, uh, and really excited to learn more. Uh, so, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for our listeners out there, and kind of tell yeah. them how you got started in business. So I am Bohannon Tywater McKenzie, which nobody calls me that. They call me Bo, uh, but uh, got to start with that. A lot easier to call me Bo. I actually am the CVO of Full Speed Plumbing, and uh, and we're up in the I-5 corridor of Washington, expanding rapidly uh, down that I-5 corridor and kind of kind of looking to just uh, keep keep growing. Awesome. So how long has Full Speed Plumbing been around for? So we rebranded. So we were a, another company before that, and then we've actually absorbed um, one other company since then. Um, but uh, but we rebranded about two years ago to Full Speed Plumbing, and uh, and in that same transition, moved all of our construction assets to uh, to service, and just went purely to service from there. Yeah. So what was the what was kind of the I guess the why the, the reasoning behind the rebrand and everything? Well. I had been wanting to do it for a long time, um, and I've, I've been I've been in business for for quite a long time, and and have owned several businesses over the years, but um, mostly in the construction side of it. And uh, we we started to to branch into service, and I realized that the potential in service was was far greater than we were going to ever see in construction, and uh, and then as time goes along, you know things happen in uh, in economies as well as politics our uh, our wonderful illustrious governor uh, i already wasn't making any money, any money on our construction side uh, i was turning lots of revenue but not making any money and then our wonderful illustrious governor shut down construction for eight weeks and uh, i wasn't making because of covid yeah. uh, and uh, i wasn't making any money anyways and i was like yep that's it i'm done and uh, and and we just never we never came back in and 
I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of our governor, but I sure am thankful for that one movie made because it's been a game changer for us. And then coming out of construction, uh, you know, your branding and your marketing from construction to service is totally different. It just, it just mm-hmm. has to be because that your target audience uh, changes. So in, in that transition, it became really obvious that we were going to have to change our branding, change our marketing. And, uh, and we've just dove in head, uh, you know, heads and, you know, got in, got going. And so, yeah, uh, it's, it's been about two years now. Nice. So a lot of people are going into this branding or I guess rebranding type yeah. of stuff uh, just because there's been more talk of it and more yeah. chatter about it online. Um, and I know that you worked with Dan at Kick yeah. Charge, correct? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We've done, we've done quite a few things alongside Dan. Love Dan. I mean, Dan and Nelly does an incredibly good job of getting a solid brand together that's, uh, that's going to appeal to your right audience. Yeah. So after the rebrand, what was some of the, I guess, some of the initial result of that effort? Well, with the rebrand, we also had changed several of our systems and and obviously coming out of that. So there was a pretty good shakeup. I mean, amongst our guys, in part because I've got a bunch of construction guys that I'm now trying to uh, polish enough to (laughs) to do service. Uh, And uh, and so we, we had a, an initial pretty good dip in our manpower. However, our marketing took off and our, and, and our volume of, of customer acquisition definitely rose. And so we, we had a, a, a slight slump from, from guys. And as we replaced them, it, man, it, 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 the, the curve came around and it was like a rocket on the backside. It just, it took off like crazy. Yeah. So knowing now, what you know now about residential versus con- like construction, new construction, stuff like that. Would you have done it sooner if you had known then what it would be like? Uh, yes. Yes. Big time. I mean, like years and years and years ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're still in uh, the new construction game, this might be your sign. Yeah. Yeah. No, your, your margins are so very different. And, and on top of that, in service, your, your revenue is more steady, um, you know, and, you know, it, it, your, your, the net thirties that turn into net sixties that then turn into net nineties and plus, and, uh, and you start to, you start to learn that having cash flow that is actually in your hand is far more valuable than some great promise of money that may show up someday. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it just, it's totally, it's totally different within that. Yeah. So, you know, you and I spoke on the phone, you know, prior to recording and yeah. you had, you had kind of told me some of the vision and yeah. kind of the operating model that you all follow, which to me seemed um, very uh, unique yeah. and innovative. And it's, it's kind of unlike anything I had heard. So I'd, I'd love to dig into this yeah, um, sure. and kind of pick your brain about the kind of the, the, the why behind all of that and kind of where it's going to help take you guys in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, 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 we call us, we call myself my role, the the CVO of the company. I'm a chief visionary officer. Basically my job is, is to, to have vision, to, to find the route forward and then to get our people excited about it. Both our people that are currently on our team and those that soon will be on all levels. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, kind of what I get. I get hyped about this kind of thing. We do things very, very differently with what we do. 
And, uh, and, and uh, the, the idea is to keep it really simple and repeatable. A lot of, a lot of companies are going for that big shop, you know, and they, they want the, the big tilt up and concrete building, you know, the best facilities and all this. And, and I started kind of sitting back and, and, and doing my, I, I do a lot of reading, a, a, a ton of reading. I read between four and eight books a month. Uh, um, but, uh, so I started sitting back and looking at different models of, of business just in general. And I started getting to like the fast food, um, idea and, and Starbucks and, and these types of things where instead of building big facilities, most often they'll, they'll, uh, try to hit their target market as close as possible with, with lots of miniature versions that are easy to, to replicate instead of these big, uh, you know, uh, powerful things. They, they go for these small, very maneuverable things. And to, to a point, Starbucks, uh, it's not uncommon to see Starbucks on two sides of, a, of an intersection, sometimes three. And uh, yeah. there's only four sides of an intersection. They'll put one uh, on, on two, sometimes even three. And so I started kind of kind of looking at this. And, and, and the standard model, obviously, in the trades is these big shops with, you know, with with all kinds of facilities and and personnel and all this type of stuff and and so we drew back a little bit and and re-looked at how the standard is done and I, I don't know if you've noticed but times are changing and realizing that when times change you have to change how you operate to be successful in times so what we did is we actually pulled our call center completely separate from our location we only had one at the time we pulled our call center entirely, entirely separate from our location. So all of our marketing, all of our calls, that stays together in one grouping inside our call center. And, uh, and, and I kept my guys completely away from it. What happens is, uh, my technicians, that is, what happens is those calls then land on, on a, I, I don't know how better to say it, than a hopper for my manager who also performs the, the role of dispatch. And we do that very much on purpose. We could get into, the, in, into that as deep as you want, I guess. But it lands on the role of my manager, who acts also as our dispatcher, and uh, and 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 puts upon the guys as is um, as is most sensible. We we we, we like to keep. Uh, we, I, I tell my managers that that their people are the tools in their toolbox. So you know you got to use your tools as as is best for the tool, as is best for the customer. You know, as is best for the job at hand, right? So then our, our managers act as dispatchers and kind of pick and choose that out. What we found in in keeping it really simple like that, and that is that is the entirety of the complexity of our system. It's very very simple. Mm-hmm. What we found in keeping it really simple like that is it's also really repeatable. And so instead of building these big shops and these big edifices, what we've done is when we reach when we reach our goal for, for the one location, we just start another one. And, uh, and so now we're, we're up to four locations plus our call center and, uh, and serving many counties even outside. And, uh, and, and I'm sure we're, we're going to expand beyond that. And that's, yeah. that's the, that's the, the simple answer. And you can, you can go from there, Eric, and ask me yeah. what you like. Well, so, I mean, going back to Starbucks, yeah, like they, it, it, it's it's you'll see them pop up so quickly oh yeah like if you if I, i'm driving down the road and i see a new like mixed use retail going in i can almost bet that oh, there's yeah. going to be a starbucks in there oh yeah nine times out of ten i'm like i bet there's gonna be a starbucks in there and then you come back three weeks later and there's already cars in the drive like in the drive-thru yeah. ordering yeah yeah 
and, and same with like airports. Like yeah. you go to an airport at 6 a.m. The only place that has a line is Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not even it's not even its own. Like you got the Hudson News, which is yeah. like this big store with everything. And you'll have a Starbucks where it's just like a counter and their pastries. And the line is like all the way down the, yeah. the freaking terminal. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I think that's it's spot on. And obviously good marketing comes into play and brand leverage for sure. But part of part of how they can expand at that rate is just the simplicity of their system, keeping it really Mm -hmm. simple to where it can be easily repeated. Yeah, absolutely. So when you when you tap into a new location or a new market, how long does it take you now to get a, a new location fully spun up and operating? Fully spun up, I'd say probably six to nine months, Um, but I can get one as far as fully operating, developing its own capital, that whole nine yards, six to nine months. Um, and, uh, but, but I can have one running within about three to four weeks. Interesting. So what are some of the challenges, the initial challenges that you all have faced with this model? Well, the initial challenge is actually brand recognition in a new market. Um, and, and how we've overcome this at this current time is we try to keep real tight to where we already are. So essentially what we do is we go into, I call it like a splash over market. So again, remembering things like Starbucks and, and, and McDonald's and all this, they're, they're going to they're gonna go where they already have a customer base instead of trying to create a customer base. So we kind of have this splash over. Think like if you've you know, you toss something in a bucket of water and the water splashes out of it. Well, we, we're already serving people that are just outside of our target demographic, our target market, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do is wherever we're hot, just outside of one of our target markets, we'll just start leaning a little more into that. And as we lean more into that, I start recruiting guys in that area. We give our guys take home trucks. And Aunt Nelly has done a wonderful job giving me good branding on my trucks. So if I have a truck in your neighborhood that, you know, sleeping there at night. Now, all of a sudden you start thinking about it. So I recruit guys in that is the next role. So we we go into where we're already splashing, making some effect, and then I'm going to start recruiting into it. So I'm going to start getting some movement in there. From there, I'm going to do some soft things like, um, like maybe a radio spot here and there. Maybe I'll I'll do something along the lines of, of throwing up a billboard up there, Mm -hmm. uh, those types of things. And then from there, obviously the, the, um, the actual digital marketing starts to come into play and we start targeting it through social and we start targeting it through, uh, through, through GMB and, and SEO and, and, and all those types of things, just trying to get some stir out of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. I, I like, I like that you recruit in that area so that, cause those, I mean, those, those trucks are your, your billboard on wheels. For sure. Yeah. So getting them into that area. day are like, hands down day. my best ROI on advertising. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to like the location, how does that operating model work? Like what's that look like other than the call center? So what we've done is we've, and and it's all in knowing your numbers, by the way, I think, I think uh, one of the biggest weaknesses in the trades is that most tradesmen running businesses fail to get the coaching to know how to run a business and, uh, and they're really good at their trade. But once you, once you get, get the coaching to actually know how to run the business, at, at that point, you start to learn how to run your numbers. And if yeah. you know what your numbers are, uh, then, then at that point, you can start, um, you can start playing into, into, um, 
actually covering yourself yourself for this. But in our numbers, what we've done is we've written it to where um, if I have three trucks at a location, I can afford a manager. I can afford a shop. Again, remember, we stay pretty minimal on our shops, so they're not grandiose shops. But I can get a shop in that area if I've got three technicians that are operating the way that they need to. I can hire a manager for that location. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes its own entity running almost completely on its own. Yeah. So how many, like, if, let's just say, like, you get into a market and perfect scenario, um, the, the, the brand awareness is there, the leads are coming in. How many... I guess, trucks on the road, would you run per location? Oh, that's, that's one of the other interesting things about our system is written to originally it was written to cap at 10 and, uh, and we found that that really doesn't work. So we've actually capped them at six to eight. Uh, if yeah. I get, if I get more than six to eight in any one market, I, I will pull a, pull a Starbucks or a McDonald's. I'll put one right across the street from my own. Um, we've learned that there's a lot of power to that for, for several reasons. One of the reasons we've learned is isolation is actually really important. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I think far too few people realize the value of isolation of information um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the ability for you to be able to valve and control it. But, uh, um, but in keeping these smaller ones, we can really focus on culture in the smaller one. And if, if, if there's a problem with this one, it doesn't necessarily affect this one over here. So we can separate them that way. If you get an infection in one, it doesn't mean that the entire company's in trouble. It means that this one's got problems. And even, even quite honestly, in marketing, when, when, you have, when we have rough spells at one location where the call volume drops off, we found that most often it'll be one of them that has a problem, sometimes two, but it's very, very seldom that it's all of them. So it balances you out. So yeah, our intent is to actually cap at six to eight. And, and uh, if that market grows beyond demand for six to eight, and we actually come in and, and uh, the, the, we have yet to do it, but, but our intent is we'll start another one in the same town if we need to. Uh, it, it'd be totally fine to do that. There's, there's uh, uh, kind of already that in, in our planning and in our, in our movement. Yeah. So six to eight kind of capped there. How, what, what does that look like from a, like a truck to homeowner ratio? Uh, that might be a little bit too granular, but I guess in, in any given location, what's the, I guess, the population look like? Well, our population. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting because we are spread out. So our population in, in our varying areas uh, alters a little bit. But it's, it's actually a bit of a misnomer to think that it's just population that matters. It actually also has to do with how many direct competitors you have. Now, I, I'm not a big believer in in. Um, I'm trying to remember who wrote, who wrote the book. Now, again, I read enough that sometimes I can't remember where the references come from. Uh, but but I'm a big believer in creative wealth, not competitive wealth. Mm-hmm. So, but there is a reality of if a market is already saturated, you know, it really doesn't matter how many people it has. There's there is going to be a tougher lean in, you know, to 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 be able to to get in. So it's not just about your population. It's also about how served they are, because there are definitely in my area, there are underserved populations. And, and so I'll actually target those ones first. Um, even if they are smaller communities, we found we have, we have an easier entry point there. But um, that said, this is the, this is the Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest has got, you know, tons and tons of people up and down the I-5 corridor. Uh, I think our 
our, our Skagit County location has got like 300,000 people that it has in, in the county and, uh, and the town itself. I think that the, uh, there's Mount Vernon and Burlington are the two main towns. And I think the two towns together sit somewhere in like 60, 70,000 range. But then we have Island County and, and uh, Island County has lesser people, but it's less served. So I have a lot easier target of that. We've got Whatcom County, which is relatively well served with about 250,000 people. Um, however, while it's relatively well served, we actually are finding ins into that pretty easily too. But then you got King, it's the Homish County, which is where big cities like Seattle are, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Obviously, I know this is a national podcast, so a lot of people aren't going to know a lot of our local names, but they're going to know Seattle. Seattle's very, very well served. So that's going to be a far harder market for us to penetrate into. Our, our southern branches are actually splashing into that a little bit now but it's i mean that's going to be a steeper curve for us to get into I, again remembering that it's not about competitive though it's about creative so the reality is what we're serving is something different than most of our competitors are anyways we're very very focused on the today and right now that's kind of our prime aspect is the today and right now's so because that is our prime aspect we're not the cheapest <laughs> No, by yeah. no stretch. In fact, I'm probably pretty near the most expensive in my market, in any of the markets that I'm working in, by the way. I'm pretty near the most expensive. But what I'm offering is I can take care of it right now. We'll really pound that home to our guys. It's today. I don't care how inconvenient, how hard. Our trucks are loaded for it, all that. So how many people doesn't matter as much as how much opportunity amongst those people. So, yeah. you know, you're, 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 um, coverage of other vendors of other plumbers in that area is going to matter to some extent yeah now that always, the question yeah you absolutely skirted and roundabout but yeah, yeah. no absolutely uh and, and we always we always try to coach our you know our clients on like the thought of specific is terrific yeah. uh when it comes especially with marketing um so we ran a test for a client locally here in virginia beach once where um, I knew that there was a particular neighborhood of about 1400 homes mm -hmm. and these homes were all built in 1987 because there was a big military population boom here oh, when, really? they, when they put up like uh damn neck and Oceana and all these uh, military bases. And so they were all built by the exact same uh, home builder back in oh. 1987. And so I had just known that this area was not necessarily underserved, but they were all due for some upgrades for sure. to their homes. Yeah. Uh, and so we just, instead of, cause all of Virginia beach, I mean, you're looking at 800,000 to about a million people. Uh, we geofence just that neighborhood, about mm -hmm. 1400 homes. And it generated way more revenue than if we had targeted all 800,000 people mm -hmm. because it was like, all right, we take this tight little pocket and you just, yeah hammer them with a common pain point and they all pick up the phone. And, then, and yeah. when you're hammering them with that pain point, it's already like, I know your home was built in the eighties. I know that you've got an old inefficient system. Here's uh, you know, a trade-in offer plus low mm -hmm. monthly payments of this door hangers to the left and right of everyone's home trucks in the neighborhood every yeah. day because they were taking jobs there. And it was, it was really interesting to see. So I think that it's it's really smart that you go after the you know the underserved type of mm -hmm. populations where there's an opportunity versus yeah. what a lot of people try to do is just cast a wide net and say 
I want Seattle. I want all Seattle right now. Um, so that now that's really, really cool. Well, and, and some of those bigger markets anyways, to be able to pierce them because, because they've got established brands in them to be able to pierce them. Even if you have some, even if you have something significantly better to offer, convincing customers that have been with, you know, a certain company for a long, for a long period of time uh, of that is a lot harder to do. It just is. Yeah. So let's talk about the future because you're the chief yeah. visionary officer. So I know yeah. I've, I tend to think of myself as a visionary. So I have about a million ideas uh, every five seconds. What's the future look like for full speed plumbing? What does that look like for you? So um, we're, we're our business model. I call it a compound, a two X compound multiplier, meaning we, we literally are designed to double everything every year. We've pounded that into our culture. Um, so we're, we're, we're building to, we're, we're, we're building our people to double is what we're doing. And so they're focused on our guys are actually uh, our best recruiting tool uh, as, as far as it used to be our trucks. And now it's our guys uh, um, that, that was, that, that really drive it. But then on top of it, the building of new locations, I was about ready to back off a little bit earlier this year. And one of my managers is like, no, no. One of our location managers is like, no, no, we, 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 we're, we, we run on a two X compound multiplier. So he actually was like, I'll take this market. I'll do it. And he expanded it, which, Definitely pulls you back when you're like, oh, my people have got this. Really, the future of it, what, it, what the the goal of my the goal of my role. I'm not trying to rhyme, but I guess I do. Uh, um, the, the intent of my role. Let's let's say it that way. The intent of my role is really to get people excited about what we're doing and get them involved. I can't do everything. So the future is this. We're designed for for a 2x compound multiplier. Everything doubles every year. We're currently at four locations. 2023, that means we're aiming for uh we're aiming for uh um for eight locations. I have got 16 trucks. Well, I'm I'm targeted to get 16 trucks by the end of this year. I've actually already ordered next year's trucks from GM, meaning that we are going to aim for another 16 um, already ordered, so I kind of got to do it now, right? Um, and, yeah. But uh, then, then it'll be the build out. It'll be the bringing the people in for it. It'll be finding the clients to be able to serve with it. That so the future is to continue to to sprawl this thing just where the natural is. Um, however, my role twenty twenty three, I've got a COO that's now taking our actual operations and running them. So my role is going to switch to a far more. Uh, I, diplomatic role, you might say. My job is going to be to start rubbing shoulders. And really, um, I'm, I'm setting it up in such a way that this can become a platform to be able to build off of. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to slide to more of the, the, the acquisitions and licensing side of it um, in, the, in the near future, or at least have, have everything so that it's perfectly arranged for that uh, to where I know this is a simple, repeatable system that can produce well. And I know that there are people that are struggling with lacks of, of, of systems and that I can be able to come along and help and, uh, and, and help them to be able to take care of their families, to be able to take care of their employees, to be, be able to take care of their customers. So that's the future. The future is to continue to expand through it. I, I see this as having, as having a national potential. I, I really do. And uh, I'm sure that pretty much every entrepreneur sees it that way, but, but uh, uh but I think I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where, you know, I, it, it, I'm not sure if it would, would it follow kind of like a franchise model if you go nationwide or would it follow more of uh, like individual, I guess, 
its own Probably. business. I would love to do, I would love to see the company do franchise. I don't know that. So we, I actually talked to some franchise attorneys and all that. I don't know that, uh, that I am up to the challenge of franchise, but acquisitions and licensing, I definitely am. Um, the, the franchise model definitely takes a pretty, it takes a pretty robust situation as far as, as administratively, as as far as legally, uh, there's a lot there. We, we have all the, all the pieces in place, to where it could go that way pretty easily. I'm uh, I'm working right now on on actually becoming a licensed GM dealer so that I can order factory uh, direct with things so that I can service our trucks. I've got a call center. Um, and and I'm, what I'm saying is I'm putting the pieces in place to where this could easily go that way. Um, it, it'd be a matter of bringing the right people in to support it for sure. Um, but but uh, our call center, our marketing is all set up to be centralized to where that that is a very real possibility for full speed plumbing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like franchising is such it's just such a beast of uh, of a thing. Yeah. I Because I, I, I don't know if I shared this with you and I know a lot of the listeners on the podcast know this, but I, I came from franchising before before Rival Digital and. You hadn't said that, yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's very complex. Yeah, and it, it, but it's it's remarkable how quickly you can get a business up in a franchise model. Oh yeah, like when you've got the resources and everything available. Like I remember, um, people would come in for they were called discovery days, mm-hmm. where it is essentially a sales day. And there was a, someone looking to purchase a franchise and they would come to the corporate uh, office and do the tour and all that stuff. And they would, from when they would sign to when they would get, you know, they'd have to do their articles of incorporation and all this mm-hmm. other stuff first, but they could be up and running in three months oh, yeah. and have trucks wrapped mm-hmm. leads coming in yep. technicians that are trained. It was, it was really, really remarkable. Well, and as I, as I already shared, I mean, that's, we can we can get one functional in in almost no time similar mm-hmm. it's not necessarily fully self-supported until about that nine month to 12 month but it's yeah. doable to to have it operational within yeah just a few months yeah well and that's the thing like a lot of people don't realize like it, if you can get the leads just get the, the phone ringing because it's yeah. a lot it's a lot easier to steer a ship that's moving yes. so like <laughs> that's where so many people get caught up in this like Oh, one day I'm going to do this thing. Like big things are coming. All this great stuff's happening, but they've got nothing coming inbound for them to make money off of. Yeah. If you can get the phone ringing, then you can just figure it out. Yeah. Just at that point. Yeah. You're just figuring it out. It's like, Oh shoot. (laughs) Someone called me and wants a, you know, a new water heater. Yeah. I'm a big believer in a 70 to 80% launch. You get 70 to 80% figured out, do it. (laughs) Yep. You'll figure the rest out as you go. Yeah. You wait for hundred percent. You're going to wait forever. Yeah. Well, this is the same thing uh, with this podcast. I think it was about the first, I don't know, 40 episodes were not amazing, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you see so many people say like, I'm going to start a podcast and they just sit on that idea forever. So I agree with you there. Just launch the damn thing. And what well, they say, uh, shoot first, ask questions second, or yeah, (laughs) I take a lot of it, not, not to get us distracted in the outdoors, but I take a lot of it actually from backcountry hunting because you get up on a glassing knob and you glass. Once you find your objective, 
if you sit around and try to figure out how to get to your objective, there, there are two guys in blasting hubs. They're the guys that break out the map and figure out how to get to it. Uh, once they find an objective, there's the guys that try to figure out how to get to it from the map, and then the other guys that throw their pack on and start that direction. You'll figure it out as you go. But the guys who the guys who open the map more often than not become really, really dedicated bird bird watchers because they'll figure out all the reasons not to do it. Uh, yeah. if you open the map. You know, you just sometimes you just got to throw your pack on and go. I mean, it really is. Sometimes you got to throw your pack on and go. Yeah. What you got any exciting uh, hunting trips coming up? Ah, uh, so well, not super exciting. Um, next week. So Saturday uh, starts Washington's general season, and uh, so I'll, I'll probably uh, be chasing the snow line and uh, and chasing some muleys up at the snow line this this uh, next week. It it should be the snow line should be coming down within the next few days, and so that that'll be kind of fun to to, to just see what's going on with that up there. Yeah, I'd love to get up there sometime. Uh, my uncle lives in Gig Harbor. Oh yeah, and um, I know makes you serve Gig Harbor. Oh really? Yeah. He, yeah, he might be he might be your customer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I know that he does a lot of really cool hunting up there, elk and all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. uh, I'd love to get out there and, and go hunting one day. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bo, before we wrap up here, uh what you know, what's some just closing advice you would give to anyone looking to start their own company or you know, try to think outside of the box with you know with where they want to take their company in the future? don't worry about what your competitors are doing. Don't worry about it in price. Don't worry about it in, in, in style of operation. Don't worry about any of that. Worry about what you know is best and, and, and go with that. Um, figure out your pricing. I, I really, really recommend get good coaching. I mean, Oh my goodness. Do I recommend get good coaching? Um, I, I don't know with, with all the other trades, we're members of, of uh, the million dollar plumber group. And, uh, and it's been, it's been a game changer for us. Uh, but uh, get good coaching, figure out your numbers, and then and then chase what you believe is is best for for your for your employees as well, or in, and not even the employees you have necessarily, the employees you're going to have, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then and then on top of that, the customers, maybe again the customers you're going to have, you know, figure out what's best and launch. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about what you know to be best and do that. Um, you're going to find that there are customers that that they're tired of the same old, same old. You're going to find there are technicians that are tired of the same old, same old, you know, be, be, be the change in the market. This is a, this is an industry that's been stalemated and not just plumbing. I mean, plumbing, HVAC, electrical, the trades themselves have been stalemated for a long time. And, and uh, so get in, be innovative, change some things, figure out new and better ways to do it. It, it. The market's changing. And if we don't, figure out the new ways through it. We're in trouble. It's really the truth. We're in trouble. We've got to be those innovators. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. And um, I, I completely agree with you there. So Bo, I appreciate sure. you uh, joining me on the show today. It's been Bo, great. Bo on the show. <laughs> now you're rhyming. Yeah. Uh, Bo, what's a great way for, uh, for any of our listeners to connect with you if they want to just, you know, chat or consult and get some yeah. more ideas. So um, usually I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you actually want to get in and consult with me, I am a coach for the MDP. So uh, you could get in uh, to their to their email address and uh, and uh, you can re- even request me for a consult. I'd be happy to do that. I am pretty active on on Facebook. So you could message me on Facebook Messenger and and all those types of things. And uh, yeah, love, love to be able to be a help where I can. 
Awesome. Bo, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be chatting with you soon. Happily. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.